0: Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info.
1: And so we come to the end of another remarkable week in Georgia and American politics um... i think it for me at least it's safe to say that we have seen some highs and lows that are unlike anything i can recall certainly in my almost forty years of doing political journalism uh, i'll be interested in the panels uh... uh feelings about that as we unpack uh, much of what took place in washington in georgia and what's about to unfold at the state capitol when the legislature convenes on Monday. We have so much to talk about. I don't want to waste any time getting to our panel. We actually have two deans on the show today. Uh, it's Friday, which means that Jim Galloway, undoubtedly the dean of Georgia political journalism, uh, is with us, as he is on all of those days. Um, Jim, welcome to the show. We're getting down to it. You're gonna. Well, we'll talk about your career in a few minutes, but we are getting down to like your last What, three columns, I think, for the AJC before your retirement in a week? Oh, two
2: columns. Uh, The Sunday column's already written.
1: Oh, okay, right. And yes, and we're going to talk about it during the show today. Uh, Let me announce right away that one of the best pieces of news I can share with listeners, because I've been getting a lot of inquiries about this, is that you will continue, even after leaving the AJC, to be part of the Political Rewind family. And that, to me, is just really wonderful. I'm so glad that's going to happen, Jim. The other dean who joins us today is Calvin Smyre, Representative Calvin Smyre of uh, Columbus... There are so many firsts attached to Calvin Smyre's career. uh, It's hard to even uh, go through them all. He's the dean of the legislature because he served there longer than any other member. First elected at age 26 in 1974, when Calvin, you became the youngest uh, member. Of the uh, Georgia uh, House of Representatives Uh, you became the first african-american floor leader for uh, a governor governor Joe Frank Harris you became the first african-american chairman of the Democratic State Legislative Caucus uh, the first african-american chair of the state Democratic Party Um, Calvin it It's not only good to have you on the show it's an honor to have you part of this important conversation today. Thank you for taking the time to do it the show.
3: Thank you for the invitation. I look forward to
1: it. Uh, we're also joined by Heath Garrett. He is a Republican strategist. Um, you know him well on this show. He also, his entire career, uh, he has been associated closely with the work of uh, former U.S. Senator Johnny Isaacson. He, thank you for being here today. Heath, are you muted? Tell you what, while we're waiting to straighten out your audio, let me introduce uh, and say certainly, last but not least, Patricia Murphy, the newest member of the AJC political journalism uh, family. Patricia, you came on board at an amazing time in American politics. It must have been a real uh, thrill for you to get to cover this uh, Georgia election uh, over the last months.
0: Uh, it has been a thrill. It's been amazing. There have been um, a lot of highs and lows, just like for everybody. The news is can feel so personal sometimes, and so it's. Um, but it's been a real privilege to be with the AJC. It's just a, an incredible team. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks for being here, Heath. I think we have you now. Um, how are you holding up this week, Heath? Uh, Bill, you know it's, it's been a it's been a terrible
4: and tragic week, and it just reminds me of how much we miss Johnny Isaacson. Uh, every day.
1: Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, his legacy uh, during the show today and what his uh, uh, career might mean as Republicans look for a path forward. Uh, but but Jim, let's start with uh, the news that uh, certainly is one of the most important stories in Georgia politics, but also became uh, an enormous national story as well. The election of two Democrats to the United States Senate. John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock win their races, um, and not only is that a big story for us here in Georgia, but of course their election tips the balance of power in the U.S. Senate to Democrats. Democrats will control the United States uh, Senate. Um it's first chance we've had to talk to you about this since the election returns. You had a great column about it this morning. Share with us a little about of what you were thinking about uh when you were writing this column.
2: Well, I mean it's 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 it uh it, it was it was kind of the the necessary the, the the best counterpoint I think we had to what happened in 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 DC on on Wednesday. When when Trump uh, Trump fired up his supporters and sent them down to the U.S. Capitol to, to sack the place, while while they were poised to to uh, to name Joe Biden uh, president, uh, it, this was uh, Ossoff and Warnock to me represent the antithesis of, of Donald Trump, his American first uh, agenda, and 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 all the white nationalism that, that's kind of uh, associated with it in in wink wink fashion it's 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 also in 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 georgia look there's there's no denying the importance of this uh this is the first ti- time that uh a democrat two democrats any democrat has won statewide since the collapse of the party in 2002 it's uh the first time the democrats have held both senate seats since 92 and and i think this is really important uh uh, we can we can talk about the the fact that uh, Warnock is the first black senator from Georgia, Ossoff is the first Jewish senator from Georgia, but also it, this is the first time really since World War II we only had maybe I think eighteen months when when Max Cleland and Paul Coverdell were in office together uh, that both senators from Metro Atlanta uh, were from Metro Atlanta, and I think that's a true power shift. Uh, uh, in in in, uh, in in Georgia's political dynamics,
1: uh, Calvin, I want to give you a chance to weigh in on anything you're thinking about this uh, victory this week, which obviously you and many other Democrats in the state have worked for for a very long time. Um, your partner uh, for a long time in the legislature, Stacey Abrams, certainly has been uh, given credit for how she uh, worked to make this happen, but you've been involved in it too. Um, give us your initial thoughts when you see that this has happened.
3: Well, I tell you, it's, it's, it's a it's, it's historic, uh, and, uh, in the political arena and, uh, uh just listen to Galloway. I thought back and I reflected back to 1992, uh, when at that time, um, uh, the Democratic party was at probably the peak of this, uh, of, of, uh, his political season. And, uh, and now having returned back to 2020, seeing, uh, uh, to um, Democrats elected to the United States Senate, it, uh, it, it it really bodes well for the political rising for the for the Georgia Democratic Party. And then to see uh, Raphael Warnock, um, um, the first um, uh, African American, and John Ossoff, the first Jewish uh, person to serve, it, it's just it's just it, it bodes well. Georgia has a a a bright spot on it. Uh, I knew that when. The vacancies occurred. I, I knew that the possibilities were there, and then after the um, after the uh, after the uh, election uh, of Joe Biden, uh, then I think it it it, it 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 gave the possibility of what of what just occurred on January the fifth.
1: Um, Heath, I think everybody can easily look at a Raphael Warnock and say how staggering that finally in, in 2020, in 21 actually, an African American is elected statewide to to uh, serve in the United States Senate out of Georgia. Um, but I think it's a, a maybe harder for people to grasp the significance of a Jewish candidate winning statewide. Sam Olin's. Uh, uh, would be the first to tell you, as you know, uh, Heath, that running as a Jew uh, for attorney general and winning two uh, uh, terms in that office, uh, he saw anti-Semitism uh, raise its ugly head frequently, and he had to overcome it to win his races. Um, so so that, we, we shouldn't discount how important that's been, too. Well, I, I agree
4: wholeheartedly having helped Sam in both of those races uh, be the first Statewide Jewish constitutional officer in the South, um, it was historic then. It's historic now for Senator-elect Ossoff, um, putting all partisanship aside for the moment. Uh, Strategists like me who engage in the battle can also step back and respect the history and the and the progress we've made based on race and religion and ethnicity uh, in the state of Georgia. And th- these victories are a, a big part of that. And uh, both of those gentlemen, uh, both senators elect, uh, I would I have a tremendous amount of respect as a strategist for the campaigns that they ran, for what they had to overcome and for the environment in which they did that. in. And we as Republicans have a lot to learn from those campaigns and from those two Uh, Races, and you know, as a Republican, I can also uh, join my colleague Carl Rove and others in recognizing that uh, this was a referendum on Donald Trump in a lot of ways here in Georgia. Um, And so, uh, we I give respect to the operation that Stacey Abrams was able to help build and Calvin Smyre helped build over the last decade or so. Uh, But these two candidates deserve a lot of credit for running. very successful campaigns um, and and uh, are going to. Now, they'll have their challenges, of course, in the state of Georgia because it's not a blue state yet. But uh, uh, there's no question that we as Republicans have a lot of work to do um, to, to overcome what just happened.
1: Patricia, you're welcome to take this in any direction you want, but let me just add a couple points that are kind of interesting uh, to this conversation. Uh, First, we should say that while Kelly Loeffler, as we said in the headlines to this show, has now conceded, she called Raphael Warnock to congratulate him on his victory, um, but David Perdue has not uh, conceded to John Ossoff. Um, We don't have any reason to, you may understand what's going on with the uh, Perdue campaign, although I think they haven't been very uh, welcoming to talking to uh, the media. Uh, the, but but so we're waiting for that. But the other thing uh, I think is fascinating about Asof is um, he will become the youngest uh, member of the United States Senate since Joe Biden uh, was elected to the Senate in 1972. What a interesting confluence uh, to, uh, there. Patricia. Anything you want to talk about in terms of this?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, it's possible that John Ossoff may be one of the youngest members of his office when he is sworn into the senator. He'll probably have staffers (laughs) 20 or 30 years older than him, and he probably should (laughs) because um, (laughs) – Uh, Institutional knowledge can be a great asset in the Senate. Um, I mean, it's really it's incredible on so many levels. Um, Sam Nunn was a year older when he was sworn into the Senate. So it's not the first time Georgia has elected um, a very, very young man to a very, very big job. Um, But I do think two things have struck me about this election. Um, the first is just the incredible confluence of history uh, that Jim wrote about today with a, a black candidate and a Jewish candidate from Atlanta. Um, but, and it uh, makes me think so much of the temple bombing in 1958 when mm. the temple in Atlanta was bombed by white supremacists because the rabbi there had supported Martin Luther King Jr. And they were partners. And those two communities have been really bonded together together. Um, in uh, in somewhat of a, sometimes a, a defensive posture to help each other get through um, racism, anti-Semitism, attacks, uh, uh, so much, so many difficult things from the outside coming in, and then for these two men on the same day to make history um, is is really incredible. And a, a, a fun footnote is that John Ossoff was Bar Mitzvah at the Temple in Atlanta, um, and of course, uh, <clears throat> Raphael Warnock is very good friends with the rabbi there. <clears throat> um, so to me, that's the fascinating piece on the Democratic side. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a, something in my throat. Um, on the Republican side, um, Donald Trump would not let it go. And he made this race about him. It should have been about Joe Biden. It was. It would have been the best argument these two senators had because I think all— all um, Many Americans don't feel great about unified power, a concentration of power um, in either party. And that tends to be a very effective argument, especially in a runoff after a presidential election. And that has worked in Georgia many times. But Donald Trump stayed at the top of the ticket. He was on the front page on Sunday badgering our secretary of state to overturn the election results that have been certified, recertified, counted, recounted um they have never brought enough evidence to bring any real challenge to the results and they had every opportunity for 9 weeks and so um the two senators also made a strategic choice to stay um right by the president's side and to support his efforts and i think that was a choice that they will um will ha- will have to give a lot of thought to and i talked to a lot of voters on tuesday who were brought to the polls by the decision to um to stay so close to the president and, and work to overturn George's election results.
1: Um, Heath, respond to that, but th- th- then I want to break down some of uh, w- uh, what we have to talk about in terms of where the votes came from for these Senate races. Mm-hmm. But, Heath, I think you want to give a quick response on that. Well, no, I just want to say that Patricia is
4: exactly right, right? Uh, we, we knew and have known, or uh, those Republicans who are willing to admit it, that right there was really only one person on the ballot in November, and that was Donald Trump and that he was the greatest motivator for some grassroots Republicans, but he was absolutely the greatest motivator for Democratic voters, and in particular for college-educated voters in the suburbs of Atlanta. And Georgia is dominated by those suburbs now, by population and by politics. They are. Uh, as we can see, a little bit center-right for the most part, but they absolutely abandoned the Republican Party by either not voting or or switching parties here. And uh, it is uh, Donald Trump absolutely, with the chaos of the last 60 days, blaming uh, a Republican secretary of state, blaming a popular Republican governor, suing the state of Georgia. Not only made it about himself, but then created the argument for Republicans not to vote. It's it's unprecedented. Uh, it's malpractice politically, and we as Republicans have a lot, a lot to do to clean up that.
1: Calvin, I want to go back to looking at how this race was won by Democrats. Jim Galloway said an important thing uh, a couple minutes ago when he pointed out that uh, this is the first time in many years that uh, we've had two sitting senators from Metro Atlanta. And in his column, which I'd love to – I think Sam Burmistaws will post a link to it online uh, for us today um, – uh, he points out that metro. this really, really shows us that the power base of the state has moved increasingly away from rural Georgia, away from cities like your own Columbus, to metro Atlanta. And I assume that's just going to continue to grow, Calvin.
3: Well, I agree with that, with that analysis. Uh, when I got elected, uh, the county unit system was uh, the power of our state. And uh, rural Georgia at that time uh, 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 proportionately uh, had more uh, uh, legislators and more power than than the metropolitan areas in our state because of the county unit system so with that in mind, you can see the the evolution of uh, of, of the political system uh, when you think about Georgia and you think about um, the influx of the new population uh, more um, uh, the much much more uh, racially um, uh, constituted and uh, much, much younger. So the, the, the political and the population universe has changed. And with that, most of that is within inside the donut of 285. And uh, and, and having that, the numbers, it, it's a number game. And I like to crunch the numbers. And when you think about the numbers, uh, the metropolitan areas and those uh, counties that are contiguous, uh, to Fulton County uh, provided a, a cushion that could not be overcome in the rural areas. And when you start thinking about the aerial campaign and the ground campaign, then you have a two-prone campaign, and, and we, we have never had to— re- we've had sometimes the resources, but we had the resources to execute uh, that that sort of strategy. And when you think about uh, the works of Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight and the leading surrogates like Keisha Lance Bottoms and Mike Thurman— and others throughout the state, Barron and Johnson and Van Johnson, others around the state of Georgia, we had boots on the ground and were able to uh, uh, flush that GOTV and get the vote out and, uh, and, and, and became a successful campaign. Mm-hmm. We had so much going on for us uh, through HBCUs and Divine 9 and Community nonprofits. So it was a, it was a great, uh, great ground game as well
2: yeah yeah to 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 calvin to kelvin's point uh uh i democrat's uh record on on runoffs has been just absolutely abysmal but i think what we have to recognize is 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 that uh that uh that this one th- th- these were different because they were they were pushed into the next year there was a 9 9 week gap instead of a 3 week gap and there was all the money in the world because the control of the senate was was uh, was uh, was on the line but uh, uh before we before the show began I, I sent y'all a couple uh of uh paragraphs from a carl rove column uh in in which he points out that 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 last november in clayton county ossoff had a a 71 point lead there in, in the votes on Tuesday he, it, that, that that lead was 77 points in 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 uh, in Decab it was 64 points in November uh, it was in in it was 67 on Tuesday uh, and he, and he goes county by county through Metro Atlanta at the same time pointing to the 14th congressional district this is Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Green's district where where Trump was on Monday and uh, it uh, it had a, a decline in maybe of maybe fifty thousand votes. Uh, it was it was it was it was this was, this was very much of an enthusiasm tur- turnout based turnout, and and Trump was was the wet blanket on that for Republicans.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Jim, I thought the Carl Rove column that you sent to us or the portion of it was really fascinating. And, Patricia, uh, of course, the fact that uh, there was advance notice that it looked like the 14th congressional district up there in northwest uh, Georgia was not in early voting turning out the numbers that were necessary to give Republicans a victory uh, was a, a, a big factor in why Donald Trump went to Dalton on the Monday night uh, before the election. But as Galloway points out, Karl Rove looked at the votes. In in, um, November, 328,000 people in the 14th District voted, and they were certainly mostly Republican votes. Only 282,000 voted in the runoff, Patricia. So Trump, in his effort, didn't help at all.
0: Well, all 328,000 of those people were told that their vote did not matter the last time around. And I can't imagine getting a 100% turnout from all of those people who've been told it was rigged, stolen, bought, buried by China. Um, And there were Republican operatives and even, I don't know if you would call them Republicans, there were Trump supporters. Um, telling people not to vote for Leffler and Purdue if they didn't show more fight for Donald Trump, and so Donald Trump has put a wedge between the Republican Party and a number of those voters who no longer consider themselves Republicans <clears throat> or Republican supporters, but Trump supporters, angry at Governor Kemp, angry at uh, Secretary Raffensperger, angry at the party, angry at the state, um, and so while Trump was at the top of the ticket for. Um, maybe for the Democrats, uh, for the Republicans, he wasn't at the top of the ticket. They wanted more fight from Loeffler and Purdue, who, by the way, were 100 percent supportive of him. Um, but uh, they were encouraged by some other operatives not to vote. Uh, it couldn't be trusted. It wouldn't be counted. And did they really trust uh, Purdue and Loeffler in the first place Were those messages? And it's just incredibly damaging. Yeah.
1: Um- all right. I'd like to to turn from our discussion about the U.S. Senate race, um, which of course was a huge story both here and nationally, flipping uh, the uh, Senate to Democratic control, and also telling the rest of the country to serve notice that Georgia is becoming more blue. Although we've got a long way to go to before we say that absolutely. Uh, in the next couple of years, it, it, there's still a lot of Republican voters in this state. So if we can, let's turn our attention uh, to the cataclysmic uh, event and the fallout from it when uh, the United States Capitol was taken uh, by a mob of uh, Trump supporters, whipped into a frenzy by the president himself. Um, First of all, I think we should point out that the calls for Trump to either resign from office uh, for the cabinet— to invoke the 25th Amendment plus the vice president, which we don't think is going to happen. And Pelosi saying uh, if, the, if the 25th Amendment isn't going to be invoked, we'll uh, start impeachment uh, procedures. I, I want to talk about this if I can from the point of view of Georgians involved in it. And the first thing I want to point out is that um, the uh, uh, Savannah Morning News had a story about the fact that uh, Sonny Perdue, who, of course, is the Ag Secretary and the cousin of David, uh, was in Claxton on Thursday morning. And he, in fact, said, said this uh, about Trump. I think inciting people to not have a peaceful transition of power was not the right thing to do, and I'm disappointed in that. We have a new president, and we're going to bind together as Georgians, as Americans, and continue to make this country great. Um, Heath, for a guy who who comes from a family that has been as close to Trump as you can possibly get for the last five, four-plus years, that's a remarkable statement.
4: It is, Bill, and I'm glad to hear that he said that, right? He and uh, his cousin uh, wrapped their arms around Donald Trump at uh, the very early stages of that campaign in 2015 and have been two of the most loyal uh, people to Donald Trump. I'm glad that he could recognize, having served as governor and been a good governor of the state of Georgia, that it, it had gone too far. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see him participating in a 25th Amendment exercise. But but at the same point in time, I'm glad he could recognize that because uh, you've got to recognize that in order to heal the Republican Party uh, going forward. And I, I would join Colin Powell and the Wall Street Journal editorial. I wish that the president would resign and go ahead and move to Florida or wherever he's going. I'm not sure that that will happen. I don't think there's any source that says that it will. But it would be the most peaceful way to allow uh, President-elect uh, or Vice President Biden to uh, Vice President Pence to govern for the remaining 12 days, and then we could uh, begin the healing process as a nation. And we, as Republicans, have a lot of soul searching that we've got to do as well.
2: Um, Jim, and then no. Patricia. Yeah, uh uh we had a the AJC had uh, uh its own reporter down there uh, uh Chris Quinn who who was was also talking to Sonny. and 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 the governor the former governor said that uh, he had not been a party to any calls about uh, invoking the 25th amendment nor did he expect to be. Uh so I think I think that's important. The other thing, I mean just to just to to kind of uh gauge the Republican impact on uh, I thought it was very very uh, telling that that uh that that wednesday evening i mean just late afternoon you had a a uh, a very strong press conference called by by governor brian kemp house speaker david ralston and lieutenant governor jeff duncan uh, to condemn what was happening at the capitol and and very specifically uh, condemning the people who, who who incited it. Kemp didn't uh, name Trump, but he named Rudy Giuliani, which I think is his, his kind of his uh, his punching bag, his whipping boy for 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 Trump. But it it tells you it 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 it, it kind of, we 've talked before about this division among Republicans in Georgia between congressional republicans and state capital republicans, and I think you 're going to see that division widen uh, quite a bit, especially as as we come back into the session uh because these people now have to govern govern and i think and, and maybe- Car- calvin can, can weigh in on this i I think what 's happened what what happened in the capitol on Wednesday is really going to to dampen uh uh at least the 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 most radical cause for for uh, changing how georgia votes i think i think it really is going to put a little little bit of a damper on, on that
1: all right you've set us up for the start of the next segment of the show jim i do have to get to a break and and we'll ask uh calvin and the rest of the panel to talk about what you just a- asked but we'll also ask this question is this a little too isn't this a little too late isn't this too little too late to hear from Republicans who made a deal with the devil and now recognize more clearly than they ever had before just who they had gotten in bed with. We'll talk about that more as Political Rewind returns.
2: Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today.
1: of the Georgia legislature, the longest serving member of that body, Calvin Smyrie, 46 years uh, in uh, the Capitol, Uh, Heath Garrett, uh, Republican strategist, AJC political reporter Patricia Murphy, and uh, lead political writer for the AJC, Jim Galloway. Um, so, uh, Calvin, let me frame uh, Jim's question in a little bit different way and get your take on it. Uh, as you go into session on Monday, and, and in a few minutes I want to talk about some of the big issues that we know we're going to be watching for uh, as the session unfolds. But, but before um, so you have, there are any number of your Republican colleagues in the state legislature, in the state house, who actively supported the Texas lawsuit that would have undone and canceled the votes of Georgians in the presidential election. Now, you have always been known for being able to work yes. in a bipartisan way to really get things done at the state capitol. But as you approach this session and think about the uh, anger, uh, the paranoia, the uh, uh, Ability, the willingness to engage in conspiratorial thinking by some of those folks in the Capitol, uh, how do you think that's going to set a tone for the ability of Democrats and Republicans to work together in the session ahead?
3: Jim, before I ask that, let me let me add one thing back on the Senate race. I, I, I want to just mention this, that uh, during the, 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 the makeup of the Senate race and back to what he, uh, Garrett, has said, you know, Trump was one of the... Uh, energizing Bundy for, for, for the for the party in the relations to what uh, how the, how it, the, the Senate races played out and, and uh, Kevin Williams and now Congressman Williams and the Democratic Party were energized uh, to, to to get out the vote so I, I wanted to make sure that that was a, a, a matter that I wanted to bring forth that that was a contrast uh, between the energized Democratic party and then, uh, the president doing what he was doing in the Senate race, which was suppressing the Republican vote as well. Uh, but, but now to your question on on, on where we are, um, and I said this yesterday to several members of the news media, and, and uh, uh, Jim Galloway just touched upon it, uh, on on Monday we will be in the proposition of governing, and, and, and there's a transition that has to be made, and the transition has to be from the political arena now to the governing arena. And I think that's going to be the hill that we're going to have to climb as it relates to the legislative session. Uh, when it comes to governing, uh, I think uh, we, we, will, we will get through the organizing of the first week and get the politics behind us. But, but at the same time, uh, uh, the scenario that we had and that has played out, uh, it's, 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 it's just going to be very, very difficult in light of some of the differences that occurred uh, during some of the legal aspects of the you know, being an elector, I was sued uh, f- of four times, uh, 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 <laughs> was part of four uh, legal suits that I had to defend, you know, uh, myself as a presidential elector. So, with that in mind, uh, you know, we've got we, we to have some civility. We've got to come together in some way because we do have a legislative session uh, that is starting on, on, the, on Monday, January 11th. So, that's something we're going to have to deal with the political aspect of it.
1: Um, OK, so, Heath, let me bring you in and, and ask you a similar kind of question. Um, we, we Let's talk about the Georgia legislators who refused to accept the outcome of the presidential election here. Um, and then let's talk about the Georgia members of the House who uh, uh, went along with a challenge to Georgia's electoral uh, votes. Uh, Barry Loudermilk, Jody Heist, Rick Allen, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Andrew Clyde and Buddy Carter. Um we, I think, Heath, it's fair to say that people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz on a national stage, as a result of the rioting, they have probably done immeasurable damage to their future. They've got a lot of work to do to repair uh, if they intend to be uh, uh, candidates for president, as we think they may be. What about on a state level? What about those members of Congress? What about those Republican legislators where, what do you think they You know you're a consultant What should they right. be worried about at this point
4: Well look they've got to be uh, Honest with the, re- the political reality That is what they decided To do here I mean I, I like to say That we had a lot of uh, non-lawyers Practicing as lawyers in the Republican party over the last 60 days But that did not include our governor Or our attorney general uh, Hopefully with the heat of passion behind Many of these uh, elected officials We'll listen to the uh, overwhelming 99.9% of constitutional lawyers that are Republicans who were saying there were no facts and there was no law violated here. Uh, that, that's number one, got the heat of passion uh, move away. I do think that our federal delegation has to start to look beyond today because redistricting will happen this year. Uh, none of our Republican seats in the state of Georgia are going to become more Republican during this redistricting period. As a matter of fact, they're going I have to become less Republican if we're going to maintain the numbers and or have a chance of picking up another seat or two. And the same is going to happen in our state Senate and our state House uh, races as well. So uh, for decades, Johnny Isaacson, Paul Coverdell, Saxby-Cham was Nathan Deal. Even Sonny Perdue used to understand that Republicans had to win in the suburbs and in the rural exurban areas of the state. And if nothing else, Bill, I'm hoping that political self-interest will get these uh, individuals to kind of relook at what they were doing, see the damage they did on uh, Tuesday, or I guess I'm sorry, yeah, Wednesday. And then also uh, start to look at how the state is a a battleground state going into the future. And if we want to maintain the majority in the House or the Senate in Georgia, we're going to have to be smarter politically than we've been.
0: Yeah, I think um, I'll be interested to see what the Trump supporters do and where they go. Um, Right now, I think a number of these Republican legislators are in a bubble and they are in a feedback loop of conservative media that goes to their conservative voters, that goes back up to the conservative members of Congress. Um, And they hear very little from the outside um, of people saying, "I I cannot tell you, I went to dozens and dozens and dozens of rallies for these House members, for the senators. I did not talk to one person there who thought that Joe Biden won the election. Not one voter at these Republican rallies believed that it was not stolen from Donald Trump. And I think these House members are very responsive. I guess that's the nicest way you could put it, very responsive to their voters right now. And they are doing what their voters are demanding of them. Um, they may even believe it themselves. I can't really tell. It is so hard to tell. Um, these voters say, we want you to fight for Trump and we want you to fight for Trump into 2024. I talked to voters who said either Joe Biden's not getting inaugurated or Trump's running again and I'm voting for him. And those are those are the voices that these Congressman are hearing. Now, if any of them has any statewide ambitions in the future, um, obviously (laughs) that's going to present a gigantic problem. And to to Heath's point, as these districts start to change, the the realities are going to change for them. And right now it's the fear of a primary from the right that's driving them. Would there ever be a primary or a general election challenge that could be real to them? I think that's what would eventually change their posture. Um, I, speaking of changing postures, I did want to do a quick note about um, Kelly Loeffler's decision to change her uh, her vote in the Senate on Wednesday. Um, she flew up specific, specifically, even after the votes were pretty clear that she had lost, flew up specifically to vote to overturn the election results. Um, and after that siege in the Capitol, I, I was in the Capitol on 9-11, and that will change your priorities in life. It really will to think he might die. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if she felt that way. And so uh, for her to come out very quickly and very publicly and say, I've changed my mind. I'm not doing this. I'm out. Um, I think was really fascinating. She really didn't have to do that. Um, she also conceded the race to Raphael Warnock and called and congratulated him. Um, Donald Trump has created a low bar where you really don't have to do that either. Um, so I think that the events of the week, um, at least on one person who may or may not have a future in politics, and she may not care if she has a future in politics, she, she just did something that she didn't have to do that I think was responsive to, to the moment.
2: You know, um, actually uh Patricia beat me to the punch on that one uh, <laughs> uh, uh, because i was going i was i was going to cite leffler as as the as, as kind of the, the perfect example of what you were talking about bill how do you how do you recover you know i, I mean looking at david Perdue, david, given david Perdue's age i you know I doubt that it, that it, that there, there's uh, he's, he's, he's uh seriously considering considering getting back into, into electoral politics. Uh, but but Kelly Kelly Loeffler is of an age she can revive herself. I mean, is it is it possible for her to? And, and I'll direct this to Heath. I mean, because you're you're the, you're the the, the the GOP guru here. Is it possible for her to to rebuild her her brand, which wasn't very strong in the first place, and which I think was part of her trouble last year? Uh, but uh, what if she if she wants to get back into electoral politics? What does she have to do?
4: You know, I I think it's extremely difficult, Jim, for Kelly to uh, reestablish a brand that could win both a Republican primary and a general election in Georgia in the future. And it's a real tragedy. Uh, The the brand that Kelly's team uh, started her with, you know, we always say in politics, first impressions are, you know, forever. And they spent. Hundreds of millions of dollars branding her with fake trucker hats uh, into somebody that uh, she's not uh, and was not. And you heard me say it on the show. You saw me say it in the newspapers. They should have let Kelly Leffler be Kelly Leffler. She still could have won the primary, which was a special election, general election, and then had a much better shot at winning uh, in the runoff. And had she been who she actually is. The voters have a great sense of smell about this and about candidates and whether they're authentic. I tell people what, don't put Michael Dukakis in the tank and don't try to make uh, a, a very smart businesswoman look like she just came from the truck stop. And uh, I think that that ultimately failed. And uh, even though she's got plenty of money, I, I I don't see how you overcome the negatives that were driven by her own campaign and by the Democrats on this one.
1: Calvin, do you have anything you'd like to add to that in terms of uh, the future of Republicans like Kelly Loeffler trying to run in statewide races? Uh,
3: I learned early on in in life that when you see a family fight, you just watch it. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. That's as good a way as any to end this segment. Let's do that. We'll be back with a lot more on Political Rewind. You know, I don't very often uh, read listener emails on the show, and I haven't done a very good job lately responding to a lot of them because I've been so overwhelmed, as I think everybody on this show has been, with political emails that I can't even sort through them to get to the personal one. But this has been such an important time, and I want to read you just a little bit from one of the emails that I, we got the other day, uh, it, it, because it's fairly typical of what we've been hearing. I just wanted to take a few minutes to say, said the uh, uh, writer, how much I've appreciated what you and your team have done over the past several months on Political Rewind. It's been a very trying time, to say the least. However, through it all, each week I've come to count on you and your great choice of guests to provide intelligent and diverse commentary on the events of the day while doing it all in a respectful and human way. Your show is definitely a shining beacon in what has been a very dark period. Um, I can't even tell you how much Sam, Amelia, Jesse, and I appreciate hearing from so many of you saying that. Thank you, and uh, I I, I value your comments and your continued participation as listeners in this show. Calvin Smyre. That all said. Uh, You've got a session to get to on Monday, and the outcome of the election is going to play a big role in some of the legislation that is offered. Uh, We know, for instance, that Brad Raffensperger uh, is going to push for a bill that will end no-excuse absentee voting in Georgia, although David Ralston yesterday uh, made it clear he's not uh, really uh, supportive of that uh, going that far. But there are other measures— like uh, removing drop boxes that are going to uh, uh, certainly be introduced. What what are your thoughts on the Republicans who appear to be looking for ways to re-engineer how we vote after what they saw happened on November 3rd and January 5th?
3: Well, I I, I tell you, the, 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 the people that are proposing this, the Secretary of State and others, If if they continue along this line and and, uh, when they get in the political tunnel, uh, when they get to the end of the tunnel, it's not going to be the end of the tunnel. It's going to be a train coming. And uh, the life they see at the end of the tunnel is going to be a train coming Uh, if if, if they're not careful. Anytime you try to abridge the rights of um, uh, people to vote, uh, it is not a good thing. And, uh, I mean, we just finished the election and now you want to change the goalposts. Uh, it's not a good sign. It's, it's not a good thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. What, what they should be thinking about doing is, is how, how do you correct? How do you, how do you make the political corrections uh, within your own party and not blame it on the people of the state of Georgia? And uh, people have died for the right to vote. And uh, we are just not going to stand idly by. And uh, this is a very, very sensitive issue with a lot of us because we've we, we, we borne the pain, we've borne the suffering. And, uh, and, and, and people like John Lewis and, and C.T. Vivian and, and, and Joe Lowry, they made it possible for people like me to run for public office and to have a, a longevity of service in our state. And anything to abridge the right of anyone rights to vote to, to, is an affront and I take it as such, and, and I will fight as vigorously as I possibly can, along with other members of the Democratic caucus, to make sure that the people in the state of Georgia have the right. And we're do not. we not going back. We're not going back. And I mean that with every Heath, ounce of strength in my body.
1: Thank you. Uh, Heath, Heath, Kelvin Smyre really sets the bar he establishes the battle lines on this. He'll call this a civil rights issue, a voting rights issue. He'll call it uh, a, a, a an effort to turn back the clock in terms of African-Americans' right to vote. That's a very strong statement we just heard from Calvin, and, and we'll watch it unfold. But but I, I also want well, to ask you, Heath,
2: you know, Brad would- Raffensperger
1: has been considered a hero because for weeks he has fought against charges that there was fraud in the election, and yet now he's saying, well, we really need to, uh, to undo no-excuse absentee voting to prevent fraud. It, it's really a hard message to make sense of.
4: Well, let's first start out with the policy here. Uh, Dean Smyre is exactly right. Uh, to, to, for Republican leadership, they need to be very cautious uh, on this. We need to be very mindful of the history in the state of Georgia and in the South. The overwhelming majority of Republican voters, uh, particularly under the age of 80, uh, actually agree with Calvin Smyre about voting rights and civil rights, and particularly these independent, educated voters in the suburbs. Uh, we as Republicans did not lose because of the game and the rules around voting uh, on January the 5th or on November the 3rd. We lost because we didn't have a plan to win if everybody who legally can vote comes to vote. And I absolutely firmly believe we as Republicans, Johnny Isaacson believes, most Republican leaders believe we can win if 100% of legal votes come. Now, politically, these Republicans are feeling a lot of pressure right now. Most of it false information. Most of it fraudulently disseminated. They are getting this negative feedback loop on it, but they need to cause pause – just go to the pure politics of it for a second, Bill. If you want to give Stacey Abrams – a bigger platform to begin her campaign for governor of the state of Georgia, I can't think of anything than to, than to call into session and start giving uh, Calvin Smyre and Stacey Abrams an opportunity to go out every day and talk about voter suppression, particularly of people of color. And so we need to be a lot smarter on the policy and we better be a lot smarter on the politics here where Calvin Smyre is right.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it built to me, to me, it's it, again, uh, and Republicans have faced this question time and time again. Do you do you try to restrict who gets to vote or do you try to expand your message and try to expand the pool and reach out to the people who haven't been voting for you and try to cha- and, and, and and try to change their minds? And it it, it, it strikes me that uh, there is an ex- excellent opportunity for this building. Uh, the, the the legislature meets Monday on on January 11th for the for, uh, uh, that's their first day. The next Monday, January 18th, is Martin Luther King Day. Uh, no doubt you are going to have this huge celebration at Ebenezer Baptist, featuring uh, Raphael Warnock, who is still the senior pastor there, and John Ossoff is going to be be there. But to, to, in my mind, and 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 Heath, you tell me if you agree with this, with this. I think. It should be just mandatory for every top Republican to accept every invitation from the King Center to attend that event. I think Brian Kemp ought to be there. Uh, Brad Raffensperger was there last year. He should be there again. Uh, I, 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 I just think you have to you have to make those sorts of connections if you're going to be a majority party in Georgia now. Uh,
1: I want to give um, Patricia a chance to weigh in first.
0: I think that's a great idea, Jim. Um, my second uh, thought is that if Rappensburger comes into the Capitol full steam ahead, saying we have to make all these changes, um, they are trying to solve a problem that nobody has proved existed. By Rappensberger's own insistence, there were, was no fraud. There were no problems in the last election. And he always says, follow the data, follow the proof. Where's the evidence? Uh, they are going to have to, in order to convince voters without doing this in the dead of night, um, again, uh, without their knowledge. They're going to have to convince voters in Georgia that there was a problem in this last election that they said there was not a problem um, and that no court has found a problem with. There has been no widespread fraud, Um, and they, they are solving a problem that Donald Trump has cooked up out of thin air for his own political purposes, and that's a very dangerous rabbit hole to jump down when Donald Trump just lost the state twice.
1: So two things about that, Heath. You've, you've just said uh, that you know Republicans are in the legislature are under tremendous pressure from many of their constituents who bought into all of that uh, conspiratorial thinking by Donald Trump. So they've got to get past that if they can. But but go to what Jim asked you because I think it's a great way to close out uh, with all of you uh, this week of uh, political rewind. Johnny Isaacson always went to the King Day celebration at uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church. He had, it, he, it was a proud event for him to attend every year. And, and I think the notion that Republicans show up there a week from Monday raises an interesting question for me. We've been hearing a lot of politicians in the last few days, certainly in the debate over the electoral college of process in Congress, politicians, uh, elected officials getting up and saying, we're better than this, we're better than this. But I think that's aspirational. I don't think that's, in fact, what we're seeing right now. It's an aspiration that we become better than we've behaved. Can we get there, Heath? Can the King Day celebration be one of those moments that helps move us in that direction? I absolutely believe that it uh, it can be. It has
4: been. Um there's no question that for 25 years, Senator Isaacson attended uh, the King Day celebrations when a lot of other white business and political leaders of both parties would not attend. He suffered through tongue lashings of a partisan and religious strife, but he took it and understood what it was and dissent and developed relationships across racial and political lines in that regard. And so I, I'm a slightly more optimistic that the vast majority of Republicans and Democrats are still in agreement about civility in this country. Unfortunately, we can talk a whole other day about why Uh, We're seeing this negativity, but Chris Carr has started attending uh, those uh, as well. Once he began inviting, I do think Jim's right. I hope Republicans will take the opportunity to be there and uh, and go to other events
1: like that, but be sincere about it. Heath, I'm sorry. We are completely out of time. All I'll say about this is, Kelvin uh, Smiley, we're going to get a chance to watch, starting on Monday, how you all come together, Republicans and Democrats, for the legislative session and how you act in the best interest of the state. Kelvin Smiley, what a pleasure to have you today. Uh, Heath Garrett. Patricia Murphy, Jim Galloway, thank you all so much for being here. Jim, you'll be back with me on a Monday show. I look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, wear a mask, and thank you for turning out in such huge numbers and voting. Bye-bye.